Hello and welcome to the First Prez Mommy podcast, the show for people on the go who like to stay in tune with the conversations at our church. Today, Pastor Clint Tolbert introduces a new sermon series with Acts 8, 26-39. God's Spirit, God's people, and God's Word enable us to be encountered by Jesus if we will allow them. Let's hear today's message. Some are aware of the story from the 4th century when the emperor of Rome, Constantine, comes to faith in Jesus Christ and proclaims Christianity the religion of Rome, making it the the first official religion of of any nation. Some some know that story. Uh, Very few know the story of another king within the same century who also comes to faith in Jesus and declares Christianity the faith of his nation. That nation was the nation of Ethiopia. We often think about our faith spreading through Europe in those early centuries, but it also spread through Africa. And in the last few decades, archaeologists have discovered some pretty incredible evidence of that that early church. Uh, The churches of Lalabella, I think is probably how you pronounce it, are pictured here. These are churches that were not erected. They weren't built. Notice they were carved out of stone, the stone of the mountains in that African country. It was formed in in the fourth century, but many wondered how the church began. And some wonder, though there are centuries in between, whether this man, that you've just heard read about, planted the seeds of faith in his home country when he went back. See, the word of God, as it impacts a life, can transform not just a life or a family or a community, but it can transform a whole nation. Jesus proclaimed this at the beginning of the book of Acts. In chapter 1, after he was resurrected... But before he ascended to heaven, the disciples were with him and they were saying, all right, Lord, now (laughs) is now the time that you're going to come with power? Is now the time when you're going to set up your kingdom? And and you may remember Jesus said, "Not, not yet, at least not in the way you're thinking. But in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, and then Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Those images that you saw are evidence of the fulfillment of God's promise through Jesus that his word would indeed go to the ends of the earth, transform people and nations. And that's what we're hoping for this morning. As I introduce to you uh, again this opportunity to allow God's word to come into your life to bring change and transformation, not just for you, but for your family, your community, our nation, and our, and our world. Ne- next week, we are going to begin reading, or, uh, reading the Scripture according to something called the, the Narrative Lectionary again. This is the fourth year we're going to do this. And so if you're part of our congregation, I hope this is a familiar rhythm to you, but if you're not, 
I want to use this morning to introduce this tool and this journey that we're going to share together because I do hope it will indeed be transformative for all of us. The Narrative Lectionary is a Bible reading schedule that covers nine months. We'll start next Sunday and we will conclude on Pentecost, the birthday of the church. The point of the Narrative Lectionary is to try to help us recognize God's story, this one thread that goes through the Bible from, from the beginning at creation all the way to our present moment. That is the, the age of the church. And as I thought about how, how do I want to introduce this to you, this passage came to mind. And so that I don't miss it, like I think I did in the first service, I want you to see verse 35 is the one that really stands out to me. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. My hope is that as we share this journey together, we will be able to recognize Jesus anew, that the, that the whole of God's Word would point to Jesus and help us to worship and glorify Him in our lives. But that just, that doesn't happen just by accident. Transformation takes place because of some mysterious partnership between God's sovereign activity in our life and the dedication of our will. I think you can see the evidence of that in this passage, and I want to lift that up to us this morning in the hopes that we will think about uh, in a dedicated way. All right, so how will I share this journey? What commitments am I going to make? What plans will I establish in the hopes of seeing God transform and change me a little bit more in the months to come? So if you didn't already open to Acts 8, I'd invite you to do so. I will point at a few different passages of Scripture and, and try to root that question of how will we see transformation take place in the story we see here between Philip and this Ethiopian man. Before I go any further, allow me to, to pause and pray once more. Ask God's blessing on, on this time that we'll share. Lord Jesus, we give thanks for your word and your spirit. We give thanks for your people gathered here. We know because you've told us it is through uh, the union of all of these gifts that you reveal yourself. And so we pray, Lord, that you would do just that, that this time we spend in your word uh, would not be some, um, so, some remote teaching that doesn't seem interesting or interest, like it interests us, but instead, Lord, that we would hear your very voice speaking to us, lifting up your very self that we might worship you and then helping us to change as we follow as your disciples, your sons and daughters. So lead us and bless us, we pray, Holy Spirit, as we come to your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I think there are some cues in this story that I think can help us establish a plan for the next nine months. I think you're going to see the importance of God's word and, and being intentional about reading God's word. I'm hopeful you'll see the importance of not just doing that yourself, but sharing that together as God's people. And, and finally, I want us to just recognize that we don't always know what to do with it. God's divine fingerprints all over 
the scripture here and, and the lives of these two men and, and also our lives as well. So let's think about the importance of God's word uh, as we look at this passage. Notice this Ethiopian man. He is a powerful, powerful man. The, the scripture says he is a royal official. He's a servant of the queen. As a servant of the queen, he is a eunuch. Not everybody knows what a eunuch is. A eunuch is one who is uh, quite literally dedicated to serve the queen and the queen alone. Though not all many eunuchs were identified as young boys and castrated at that point in their life so that they had really no other option but to serve the queen. And, and such might have been the case with this man. Verse 27 tells us he is drawn to Jerusalem, to the temple to worship God. I wonder about that. How had he heard about the Hebrew God? What is drawing this foreigner, this Ethiopian, to worship Yahweh? I don't know the answer. But I recognize a truth that is throughout God's word. One of these threads that I, that I hope kind of reveals itself to you uh, as we journey together. This truth is that sometimes God himself prompts a person to seek him and to find him, at least to the extent that they can. Like in the, in the book of Acts, do you remember Cornelius? Cornelius was a, was a Roman official, a Gentile man, and yet it seemed that he had a God-honoring fear of Yahweh. He, he recognized somehow that God was God. And was invited into relationship with him. If you go back even further, maybe you remember this man named Melchizedek. Remember Melchizedek? Boy, talk about a mysterious man. In Genesis 14, you'll be introduced to Melchizedek, who is, who is called a priest of the Most High God. Where did he come from? How did he become a priest? How does he know about God? He was, he was a man from a foreign nation. We don't know. But God's Spirit drew him there. I wonder if in much the same way God's Spirit is drawing upon this man, this Ethiopian who comes to worship at the temple. God does this sometimes. I've seen it in my life and in my ministry and my wife and I served at Purdue University we tried to share the gospel with students there. One of the ways that we did that was at the beginning of the year in the student activities fair, we invited them to fill out a card, much like guests are invited to here, except for at that place, we offered a free bike if you would fill out the card. So we'd get like a thousand turned in. And then in the next week or two, we were busy following up on those cards with anyone who said, yeah, maybe I'm interested in a Bible study or something like that. You had to get to them fast, so they were long days, 10, 12, 14 hours of knocking on doors saying, hey, you said you might. Most of them were going, nah, I just wanted the bike. Did I win? No, sorry, you didn't win, right? Until on one day when I was exhausted, last card of the day, I think it was about 10 o'clock at night, 
I knocked on a door, had some preliminary introductions, and Matt said to me, you know, I just want to know how I can have a relationship with God. To which I went, it's 10 o'clock at night and I'm tired. But I was amazed. He, he didn't know what he was saying. And over the following weeks, I shared with him the gospel, and he's walking with Jesus to this day. Remember a time when we were in Japan, summer in Japan, doing ministry there. In the midst of rain like I had never seen before until a couple of weeks ago in Sandusky, Naoko meets me as I was sprinting from building to building. She grabbed me and is trying to speak English with me, and I'm simply saying, can we get out of the rain? But God had led her, and she came to faith. Not while we were there, but months later we learned, and she's serving Jesus today in a country where there are few who know him. It, it happens. Sometimes God leads in ways that we don't understand. I wonder if that's true for you. Might God be leading you to be encountered by him? You're going, well, I, I don't know. Well, why are you here? I mean, it is Labor Day weekend, right? Who comes to church on Labor Day weekend? Some of you are going, well, I always come to church. Well, not in this world, right? Not, not much anymore, but you're here. Good for you. And maybe God's leading you here because maybe God wants to encounter you. Not only you, I wonder, in the people around you, look to notice whether God might be mysteriously, supernaturally trying to reveal himself to them. He did it with this man. Notice how. He's sitting in his chariot. He has before him the scroll of Isaiah. Now, how does he have this scroll? We, we don't know. Maybe he got the scroll somewhere and, and, and reading this led him to Jerusalem to, to worship God. Maybe that's the case. Maybe he learned about Yahweh. He goes to worship. Again, he's a powerful foreign man. He meets some sort of rabbi. The rabbi says, you got to have this scroll. And so he's got the scroll on the way home and he's reading it there. We don't know. Either way, he's got God's word before him. And God's word is speaking powerfully to this man's life. Not just in Isaiah 53, that is recessed in the text here, but, but the whole scroll. I want you to imagine with me that you are this man. You're, you're a foreigner. You've just come from the temple. You ever been in a place where you just don't belong? <laughs> like you wanted to desperately be there, right? You wanted to be there. Those who were there, you know, kind of welcomed you, but you, you just didn't feel like you belonged. In addition to that, he's a eunuch. And so many of the dreams that are natural to all of us about legacy and family and children and grandchildren, it's not available to him. And then he reads in Isaiah chapter 56 these words. 
Amen. Hear these and pretend you're him. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial, and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And it continues on that way. Could you imagine if you're this man reading those words from that scroll? Would you not feel like God's word is speaking right to you? Friends, God's word does that. Not just to this man, but to each of us. God's word is powerful, and if we will read it in a dedicated way, God will speak to the condition of our life. He'll speak to our pain, and he will reveal himself. Of course, the way he speaks to us is by lifting up his son, the Messiah, our our Savior. And that's what this man is reading when he reads Isaiah 53. Have you read Isaiah 53? Not just the portion that's there, but, but the whole chapter. There may be no other portion of Scripture that so beautifully depicts Jesus the Messiah than that Scripture. And so he's reading it desperately, wondering how? How can I know God in the way that's being described here? This passage speaks of his descendants. Notice verse 33. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? The Ethiopian man's going, yeah, if he dies without children, then how can he have descendants? Who is this? Does this speak to me? Are you allowing God's word to speak into your life? Are you reading it in a dedicated, intentional way? Well, if you are, wonderful. If you're not, I have good news. (laughs) That's what we're going to do together. In your bulletin is a green sheet of paper, and it is the schedule of readings from every Sunday starting next week until... Late May on Pentecost. And this will be what Jason and myself and maybe some others will preach from. I very much encourage you to read and advance. To soak yourself in God's word. For if you read intentionally God's word, I know that you will sense God speaking to you. If you want to go even further than that, on the information table, these white folded pages contain daily readings within this schedule. So Sunday will be the same that's on the paper, but but Monday through Saturday are additional readings. There you also find questions. Chris Laporta, somebody who's relatively new in our congregation, I hope you have met her, she's giving herself to these passages and creating questions, both questions for individual reflection and questions for group study. And you can find all of that on the table. But give yourself to the reading of the word. 
even when it's confusing, because sometimes it is, right? Especially in the Old Testament, it is. This Ethiopian man was confused, was he not? He's trying to understand the truth. Where does the truth come from? Let me ask you a question that will lead to the second point. It's a question that was asked of me in a kind of a bit of quiz form some time ago, and so I'll put it to you. You don't have to call out because I, I don't want anyone to get the answer wrong. But in your heart, answer this fill-in-the-blank question. Blank is the pillar and foundation of the truth, according to 1 Timothy 3.15. How would you answer that? What's the pillar and foundation of the truth? Here's the answer. The church of the living God. Again, no hands. Is that what you were thinking? Because it surely wasn't when I was posed with that question. I thought it was the Bible. I, said, I thought the Bible was the, the pillar and the foundation of truth. But no, the scripture itself goes, no, 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 no. See, Here's the thing. It's not just the scroll as it's opened in front of this Ethiopian man. But it is the scroll. It is God's word as we together come to be encountered by the scripture. I hope that you will give yourself to intentional reading. But I hope that you will do that, number two, uh, with others. It was so important in this text. Again, this man's reading the text, and Philip comes up to him and says, Hey, verse 30, do you understand what you're reading? Look at verse 31. I mean, sometimes you've got to add some inflection to the text, right? And the guy's going, No! It's like my daughter doing her pre-calc homework this past week. Do you understand what you're doing, hon? No, not a clue, right? Well, dad can't help you on pre-calc. But maybe I can in the scripture. Right? And Philip begins to unfold God's word to him. Again, verse 35, starting with that one in Isaiah 53, the text suggests that he begins to point to others from Jeremiah, possibly, maybe from the Pentateuch, maybe from the Torah. He begins to unfold God's story so that the man meets Jesus. This is what we're going to do with the narrative lectionary. We're going to unfold God's story, a story that points to Jesus. I mentioned to you this is the fourth year that we're, we're doing it. Every year, the lectionary uh, puts in focus a different gospel. That's why it's in a four-year cycle. So this year, a few weeks before Christmas, we will take up the gospel of Mark. Of course, the gospels are the stories that speak explicitly about Jesus. And so for a few weeks prior to Christmas, all the way to Easter, we'll be soaking ourselves in the gospel of Mark. After Easter, we'll see what God does in the life of the church until it's born, because that brings us up to date. So I hope you'll give yourself to it, but do it together, because you notice it wasn't enough for this man to have the scripture in front of him. He needed Philip. And you need someone else too. It's why worshiping together is important on Sunday morning. It's why it's important, if you can, to gather with others in a Bible study or a covenant group.
We're going to be forming those again this fall. Some of you already have a group. Great. Just keep going. If you don't and want to be in a group that, that reads the scripture together and seeks Jesus together, then talk to us. and Keep your ears out for announcements and then talk to us. Let us know you want to be in a, in a group. There will be some for parents offered on um, Wednesday nights. Men, again, that's what this breakfast is all about. Not just being encouraged by Pastor Tom, as I'm sure we will be, but, but talking about, all right, so how can we travel together in the months to come? Ladies, when you're at the women's retreat, I'm sure you will be there encouraging one another in the word. And so look for those details and sign up for that retreat. If you're not already aware, I offer a Bible study on Thursday mornings, 9 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I have people gathering with me in the library or over Zoom. It really works well both ways. And we look at the scripture before I preach it so that you can help me understand what are the questions that are really being asked and how can I make this relevant. Share this journey with somebody else. Finally, allow yourself to be led by God's spirit. Do you notice God's divine fingerprints all over this passage? It's all over it. Verse 26 The angel of the Lord says, Philip, yeah, I know you want to go north. Nope, go south. Later on, the spirit of the Lord, uh, verse 28, says, go stand next to that chariot. Later on, as they travel through the desert road. Hey, what, what isn't very common in the desert? Water. As they travel the desert road, they come to water. Huh, I wonder how that happened. And the Ethiopian man says, shouldn't I be baptized? And after he does, Philip just disappears in an obviously supernatural way. God's spirit, God's fingerprints are all over this story. And God wants to work in your life in the same way. But you know, sometimes we prevent that. Sometimes at least I'll just speak for myself, I prevent that because I insist on knowing everything before I'll take the next step. You know what I mean? The spirit or the angel says to Philip, go south. Why? I thought I was supposed to go north. No, just go south, please. The spirit says to him, go stand by that chariot. Why? Who's in the chariot? Are they safe? I'm the type of person, when I, when I go into the GPS and I punch in the address, I don't trust it, right? I look at the map, and then I go through the steps. Is this right? Now, that's probably wise with the GPS, but it's not wise with God. God says, trust me. I will move you step by step by step if you'll allow me. James 1, says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. How, we might, how might we deceive ourselves? Well, it might be something like this. I'm going to read the Bible in the morning. Done. God must be pleased with me. I'm going to come to church every Sunday. 
done, I'm sure God is happy. Well, maybe, good for both, but, but God wants to use those times to speak to us, encourage us, draw us to take another step of faith, and we need to be listening and willing to step, even if we don't exactly understand what God is doing. It strikes me that that's exactly how we're called to come to the table that is before us this morning. You recognize, surely, that we are promised in an encounter with Jesus at this table that is unlike any other time. Can you explain how? I can't. Not fully. Jason's learning about it. He won't learn in full. Gavin probably knows more than both of us, but he still doesn't know the full answer. How does, how does Jesus encounter us here? I don't know. But his spirit and his word call his people together. And at this table, Jesus meets us in a way that is unlike any other. And so we come. Come not just to this table, but to this journey. Come together, not just to this table, but this journey. Come with God's word in your heart, not just at this table, but in this journey. That Jesus himself would be lifted up and that we would be enabled to see him anew. Let's pray together. Oh Lord Jesus, we do give thanks. We give thanks for your word, your spirit, and your people. We give thanks for the way that you moved in this Ethiopian man's life and drew him into relationship with you. We wonder what you did with that. Did you, in fact, change a nation centuries later because of that one encounter? Lord, would you encounter us, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of your kingdom purposes in the world? What will you do through us Lord, we wonder, but submit ourselves to you, for you are our king. Would you call us and go with us on this journey that we are planning to share? Lead us and bless us, that you might be glorified in our lives together, Lord Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our First Pres Mommy podcast. Learn more about our church at our website, firstpresmommy.org. Have a great week.